supernatural forces of malevolent evil are seeking to bring the Earth to its knees. Only the summoning to the planet of a true superhero can save us from demonic control. Leave this place and do no harm. Destroy her! Now I am really upset. Supergirl. A fantastic adventure to make your spirit soar. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Welcome back, guys. Hello, listeners out there. Hello. Boys and girls, my name is Pete. And I'm Scott. And, and these, these are, are the movies that made us gay. gay. A really fun one today. We do. We've got a really great show. Um, we've got a wonderful guest. This show or this movie was a doozy. Oh my goodness. Oh, it's pretty. It's pretty insane. I love it. Yeah, but but it's really good. Uh, Scott, why don't you talk a little bit about what we just saw? So we watched 1984's Supergirl with our friend Brian Boskind. Hello. Yay! Welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you. Welcome to the show. So we just saw a screening of Supergirl yesterday, yesterday morning. Yes. At the Vista. Okay, so yeah, we saw this yesterday morning at the Vista here in Los Angeles, and uh, kind of being trapped in a movie theater, having to focus on it all the way through in one sitting was was something that most people don't have to do when they're streaming movies at home. And it's kind of refreshing to be able to do that uh, for a movie like this because you don't have the distractions of your second screen and, you know, getting up to go get a snack or whatever. But it was a lot better than I remember it being. You can be nuanced focused. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. for sure. And there's a lot of nuance in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It was fun to see how certain certain scenes that are a little more campier played in front of a crowd, too. Yes, for sure. Um, and also, I think just in particular, this the crowd that sought out Supergirl to see in a movie theater was very specific. These Definitely. Were, these were movie lovers. These were people that loved this movie. And so... Uh, and, and some kids. Yeah, there were there were kids in the audience. It was great. I thought that was really cool. I saw I saw some young kids there. I saw you know some little girls in the in the crowd that I was like, that's really fun for them to to be able to see this in the theater. So I wanted to start. So this was my first time properly watching the movie. I did not grow up on this movie. Right. Um, I'm just kind of curious. When did you both first see Supergirl? I, I saw it when it came out because I had been a big Superman the movie and, of course, Christopher Reeve yeah. fan yeah. Uh, from that. Uh, so it was interesting, you know, know knowing that uh, – anticipating that there was going to be a new character in that franchise. Do you remember where you saw it? Uh, I saw it. I saw it in uh, Baltimore, in uh, a little movie theater in Towson, Maryland. Okay. What about you, Pete? Uh, I also saw it in the theater. 
with my sister and I believe our dad took us. I have a memory of it being at the drive-in, but that could just be a false memory that I'm like making up. But I do remember seeing it in the theater. I was probably about six years old. It was released November 21st, 1984. Yeah. So, um, but I remember seeing it then and, um, yeah, I also loved Superman. I loved Christopher Reeve. I always thought, just in my head, just historically, when people ask, like, oh, like, how, you know, how long did you know you were gay? And I'm like, well, yeah. I saw Superman as, like, a little kid. And He's just, very dreamy. I mean, there was we just have, something about we Christopher We actually have Reeve. to do the original Superman on this show, you know, too. there was just... To me, that was just something that I knew that I looked at him and it was... Yes, he was Superman and he was a superhero and I was a very small child, but it was more than just what other little boys saw. Yeah. <laughs> Christopher Reeve in the 70s was definitely a dreamboat. Yeah. And this is from the director of Somewhere in Time, right? Yes. yes. Which I have never seen. Another have you, have heavily you seen, romantic movie. Have oh, you yeah. seen Somewhere in Time? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've never seen it. I know it has a big gay cult following behind it. Well, again, it's got your dreamboat in yep. there <laughs> with Jane Seymour. Who yeah. Still looks like she always did, yeah, and, she looks uh, and a wonderful John Barry score. And um, anyway, so anyway, you can see where he's got a good roster of uh, films to enter this with. So, yeah, kind sure. of going into that, the tone of this movie is interesting because it's a very soft, delicate tone. Would you agree? Uh, I would. Um, I, I, I know, as they said in the Q and A too, that uh, the, the approach of um, I think there was a fine line on being able to make it a little more delicate and softer to contrast it so that it wasn't just like you were watching another version of Superman. Sure, yeah. Um, But then also be able to show that she was a much younger character becoming the hero, too. Right, because there is a lot of that, um, like, wide-eyed, you know, she doesn't have Clark's history on earth clark grew right. up here so he's pretty much for all intents and purposes it's, you know yeah it's kind of a trial American. by fire experience yeah. on being on earth yeah dealing with school which i thought that t- their takes on school <laughs> with like the miserable teachers oh, and we'll, the miserable yeah. dean oh we'll get into that yeah. we have a lot to say about okay. all of the yeah all of all of the school scenes so where i mean okay so we should probably be begin on this planet, these are sort of refugees from Krypton. Yes, this is like a makeshift planet. It's not a planet. It's like, it's a, like a floating a, a mall fragment in space. It looks like a mall. Yeah, <laughs> mall yeah. slash like Christmas store. Yeah, but let's let me go a little further with sure. that. It's it's like the seventies, eighties sort of mall. Like yeah. they don't have those malls oh, anymore. Oh no, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. the same reason that Logan's Run had been. Able to shoot its city scenes in a, mall. In a pretty it, fabulous quite literally mall. in a mall. But yeah. when you look up the mall that that was, yeah. it was like nothing else you saw. It was very Planet of the Apes sure. kind of city like. Yeah, so it, yeah. it's not like shooting in the Galleria. Right, right. That's back when architecture and art, mm-hmm. anyway. So had like these organic it was a very, shapes. Yeah. yeah. It's very Lothlorien from Lord of the Rings. Right. So, but I have questions about this strange city um existing in inner space and i mean that's probably something that we really shouldn't think about as the audience just like okay again something to differentiate this is not krypton 
that's in outer space. This is Ar- Argo City? Yeah. Argo City in inner space. So it's like, okay, this is our own thing. We're separate from that and just deal with it. Go with the flow. And she flies out of a lake? The ocean? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> get there. Is it like an alternate dimension? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. It has like it an has, inter- it's, it's so an interdimensional It's technically thing. not right. outer space. It's yes, like right. something by itself. Oh, it's inner space. Okay. Yeah. And then, you know, his, the little... Uh, because he mentions... I'm sorry. Peter O'Toole's yeah. character Ooh. mentions inter- interdimensional physics mm-hmm. as part of just like their general schooling. That the children are learning. Right. Yeah. And that, and that uh, Kara is struggling with she's struggling with interdimensional physics and geometry on a argo city level which right. is like way beyond anything that you'll learn um in nigel snape's you know computer <laughs> software programming <Excellent>. class <laughs> um so zoltan played by peter o'toole he's like the architect of this city right yes he has this magic wand which he can just create anything with it. Sure. Right? What does right. this magic wand look like? It, I mean, it looks like something that you would get at like um, a like a, a shop on Main Street USA in Disneyland. It lights up. It spins. Um, it's something like it, when it you're when scented. you're exiting like the Hollywood Bowl, like yeah. all of these <laughs> right. all these people would be trying to sell you. Yeah, mixed the- mixed though with seventies head shop. Like oh it, for it's sure that kind of yes. like art artistic glass yeah. that you would have you're right it seen does, when it, you wander into it it does look like a giant bong like it's it's it looks like blown glass it's orange yeah. and with like a spiral kind of like a unicorn horn shape um, and this is his like deluxe like universal remote wand that like cr- helps him to create these like spindly like organic you know structures within the mall but even the people even the like but they're Kryptonians, correct? Yes. That at one point they yeah. were Kryptonians, and it's it's like a fragment. You know, when you see it in the distance, it's like a torn away fragment, right? That I guess he was able to encapsulate before right. they all died. Okay. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. Because Krypton is 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 gone, so that this is just a little piece mm-hmm. that's left over. Makes much makes much more sense when you say it that way, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, Krypton exploded. It sort of looks like the ivory tower from the Neverending Story. Very that, yeah, yeah very yeah. that. And d- just to remind you, also, you know that this was shot at Pinewood Studios, so mm-hmm. the kind of ex- you know known for their extravagant James Bond sets right. and everything huge like that. And so, it just also makes sense in these big, weird, multi-leveled sets. Yeah, you know. that they were able to get like three stories high, you yeah. know, for all of this. I mean, there was something known as the Bond set. Well, yeah, in Pinewood, and this yeah. was probably on the Bond set. Um, yeah, the wardrobe in Argo City is kind of amazing too. It is a little Logan's Run, mm-hmm. but not quite the jumpsuit feel. What Peter O'Toole is wearing is crazy. Too. He's wearing kind of like a like a Cliff Huxtable sweater, but it's just a little oversized. I like it, but kind of done by Klimt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That very much you Klimt know. inspired everything. Everything. The in first. There. The first shot. It's like shows you know some of the architecture and the walls and like wall coverings, and it was very Klimt. That's right. immediately the first. But thing it I also kind of goes along with the lines of there's a real focus on art and imagination. Sure. In their discussions in yeah. the city. Yeah, that's true because they you know she is like struggling with her with her interdimensional geometry, and he's like, oh well, you're an artist, 
and and artists usually have trouble with with mathematics so that's that's the thing it's that we kind of learn right off the bat that Kara is not really like a superhero essentially but she's more a little bit more like soft like you were saying like yeah. she's not that artists are soft by any means sensitive. but sensitive that's it and that's i think we were always called yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah so um this cast right off the bat like where i mean they got they got mia farrow in this movie dropped in one scene yeah. so do you think that mia farrow they got her thinking it was going to be bigger and just budgetary yes. reasons they she's only in maybe Four minutes of the movie. Yes, but there's also, uh, you know, we we happen to see the the what they call the European cut, but sure. there's even yeah. a longer director's cut. There was a lot more oh, Argo okay. City stuff, okay, which I think just explained a lot of what we're only assuming right now, right? You know? Yeah. Uh, but again, as the introductory movie, in the same way Superman the movie set up a bunch of stars and cast to hopefully be repeated, right? So yeah. I think they had that in mind for sure. Okay. Kind of surprised that they didn't reuse that Marlon Brando footage that he was paid like a million dollars for. You think that Warner would just want to just use that footage into the ground? Yeah, they paid so much money for it. Yeah. Well, okay, so I imagine because Kara's parents, Mia Farrow, and who, well, also she's a cousin of of Superman. She's Kara right. L, I guess. Her father's Zor El. Um, so maybe they're kind of a little higher up in the like, you know, yeah, in the standing of things. Yeah, yeah, in in uh, in Argo City, that's why they have direct access to. Is it Zoltar or Zoltan? I keep Zoltar. <laughs> Zoltar. Um, yeah. So he ultimately gives her, you know, he gives her the universal remote to like create something, test it out. This sphere, what is it called? The Omega Hedron. The Omega Hedron. The, the MacGuffin of this movie. Right? I'm not really quite sure what it does. Well, It powers the city? It powers the city. And, and I was, you know, as an adult now in retrospect with it all, it's like, you know, he, and again, he talks about using it to create art. Mm-hmm. He's borrowed it to create art. So it sets up at the beginning that obviously it can feed on your mental imagery. Okay. And so probably the engineers of the city you know, guide it for it being a power source. Right. So that when it falls into the hands later of this group of kind of like loser witches. Right. <laughs> you know, the human viewpoint is that it's magic when it's really advanced technology feeding on their mind. Okay. That okay. makes a lot of sense. <laughs> and the circumstances of how um, Kara gets blown into space is pretty... Do we want to talk about that? Well, okay, so Zoltar has built, I'm assuming, this uh, this small ship so that he can leave Argo City and just do some exploring on his own. Right. Because he's, he's just, I don't know, has he grown tired of living there? Or is he just ready to, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, like, it also kind of sets up like when an artist reaches there, he's, he says, there's so many things in my mind and yeah. no place to do them and everything. Yeah. Uh, and they do talk a little bit about how the thing he built is specifically done to withstand the pressures of going from one dimension to another. Right. 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 And then to your point of uh, Krypton not being anywhere near Earth originally, Mm -hmm. uh, I was just going to remind you that in the previous Superman movies, uh, the whole reason that Kryptonite is able to be used against him is those fragments 
right. after years had made their way to Earth. Right. And so to, I guess, Argo City okay. on its floating fragment. Interesting. All right. Well, I mean, it's this. I felt like at the beginning the stakes weren't super high because they're not cutting back and forth to the city. Well, throughout you're talking about throughout the movie. Yeah. As okay, so Argo City because the um, Omega Omega Hedron. Yes. Oh, the Omega Hedron. Hedron. Or hedron. hedron. You say potatoes, right? Uh, because it's been lost. To Omega City, um, and that's its power source. That eventually their power will dim, as Mia Farrow says. And they have a few days. And they have a few days. Yeah. How long is Kara on Earth? Is it a few days? It's just a few days. <laughs> and the whole time we never. I mean, what are they going to do if they cut back to Argo City? Just kind of show them like <laughs> wasting away. <laughs> it's just. It's just really dark. Yeah. yeah, but we just kind of forget I, about Argo City after a while, or I don't know. Right, like if maybe if she'd even look at a picture or some sort of holographic image of her parents. Right, you yeah, know, yeah. It would have added to that uh, danger. Yeah, pull something um, out of her wallet like Marty McFly. I, I wanted to, to say I had looked up, and uh, Peter O'Toole's character uh, mentions that it's one of two power sources for the yes, city. Yes, I remember The that. other one is the Alpha Hedron. Uh-huh. So... I'm guessing that in a longer, more explanatory version of the yeah. script, it may have even mentioned the separate functions of sure. these two things. Uh, but anyway, somebody yeah. somewhere thought to name the other one. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it would only make sense if this is the Omega. So, uh, so yeah. So, Kara. She gets, like, sucked into space and, in, like, inner space. No, she jumps into his little machine. Oh, yeah. She gets sucked in because she cut off the, the little dragonfly that she created through uh, the universal remote bong. It's really thin walls. Turn, Yeah. Right. The dragonfly right. cuts out. And Which he refers to as the veil. The he veil. pierce the veil of the city. The, the saran wrap that's covering <laughs> the outside of Argo City. <laughs> Protecting it from <laughs> inner space. Yeah, so she he closes it. Yeah, because she gets in her little like Mork and Mindy pod. Right. Yeah. And she goes to Earth. Which is presumably what uh, Zoltar was going to use to find the the Omega himself. Mm-hmm. But he was ready to just go to the Phantom Zone. He was like, well, this is my fault. I'm going to the Phantom Zone. Sorry. Because right, he created it. Yeah. He was just like... But, I, yeah, it was kind of weird. But while they're having this conversation, Kara kind of, like, sneaks off, jumps in his little ship, and is just like, I'll find it. Is the suit in the, in the ship? I'm... When you when you see it, you know, kind of opened like a, it's got like sides like a flower, and it's yeah. opened. There's a bunch of uh, red, blue, and yellow material in there. Yeah, looks which like is a shower which is the same thing they did in Superman the movie. Yeah, you can just see that stuff laying in there. It's this material that's kind of like, a, I mean, it just looks like a like a cellophane mm-hmm. kind of material yeah. that's in that's in the pod. Um, but um, yeah, so I'm assuming so it to is, believe that that's so it at least is following the lead of what we've already we've seen yes. and accepted in Superman the movie. Yeah, and I was reading that Christopher Reeve was supposed to be in this movie. There was various versions of the script written that sort of revolved yeah. around him, and then it all fell through and he couldn't be in it. So yeah. they had to like rework it, yes. and just sort of have him referenced in a picture too. Yeah. Right? Do you know anything more about if? I I had heard was going to be in. 
I had heard some. Well, there there had been talk in early versions of Superman three that that would introduce Supergirl, which makes sense. Uh-huh. Yeah, but um, then they decided no, let's go on and uh, give her her own full movie uh, sure. as a spinoff. And of course, it would have made a better transition to have him really appear in it. But I think because of the reception and difficulties of Superman 3, that from what I have heard from other people, that may have led to his turning now, it down. Now, was Superman 3 the first movie produced by, by Canon? No. No, the only it was, one done it was by still Canon Warner? Was four, yeah. Okay. Right? I think so. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, because Salkind himself at the mm-hmm. Q&A was talking about the development of 3. So. Yeah. And 3 was with Richard Pryor. Yeah. <laughs> Is how it ended and up. Three and has so, the crazy opening sequence in it, right? Yeah, where yes. like everything the in the streets s- of Metropolis yeah. is referred to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it also has the crazy ending where that like evil henchwoman gets oh, turned right. into a, like a robot. Pete has a really, yeah. Pete has a really cute story of oh, my when that when just, that scene used to come oh on God. when they were little. We had cable <laughs> and it would be on HBO time, or something right. all the time, and we would like scream for each other when it would be like. My sister and I would just be like, it's happening. We'd Vera. run and watch Vera get sucked into this machine right. and turn into a robot and just scream and run around the house. Like, it was amazing. I loved it. We were just small children. It was so scary. And when you see it as an adult, it's still pretty off-putting. But I do love Vera. She was kind of an amazing villain in that movie. Yeah. It should have been Jean Marsh. Like, I feel like that would have... Oh, my God. Even better. So so Kara gets to Earth, and the opening introduction of Faye Dunaway as Selena is crazy. Of she's introduced having a picnic. I'm not really sure where they are. A national park, Yosemite, <laughs> is this Tahoe? I don't know. But introduced, they're having. She a, leaves in Tahoe. Yeah, they're exactly. having a picnic on a tiger rug. Yeah. Yeah. And she's just like skin she's laid out in this like beautiful seventies leisure suit, this big bouffant of hair. This red hair on Faye is amazing. Yeah, I, I really like it as an image. Yeah, I mean it's kind of striking. Every shot of her is a is a beauty shot. Yeah, every time the you get the is beautiful Morticia Adams spotlight on her. She too. has really good lighting on her face. Mm-hmm. The hair is always done perfectly in every shot and just the this intro of her on this damn tiger like this is how extra this character is right and it's and it's mentioned in this very scene by uh nigel played by peter cook that she's a witch yes right what kind of witch do you think she is she's a wicked witch devil worshiping right there are baphomet statues all over her yeah that's right and you know, since you're bringing it up now, I wanted to say that uh, I've started to realize in retrospect, you know, in Rosemary's Baby, mm-hmm. that coven of old people in that apartment building, yeah. they're all kind of, other than the fact that they're Satan worshippers, they're kind of losers. Right. Yeah. Which is the, the kind of thing. It's like, yeah, they don't want to work to get power and they want to be able yeah. to affect other people through nefarious means because they can't do any, you know, yeah. they're just assorted weird losers. And that's yeah. kind of what you get in this movie. You know, right. they're people who obviously haven't done anything else on their own. Yeah. Uh, 
so it's it's interesting to remember it from that perspective too like you know they want the get it's the get rich quick scheme yeah, totally. yeah totally they don't really want to put into work for world domination they just want it brought to them <laughs> yeah they use magical means um so i'm assuming selena and nigel have had a romantic past yes they seem on and off because well because she she asks him, how long have we been together? And he's like, right. months. And she's like, why does it seem like seems years? Like years? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, I'm not super familiar with Peter Cook uh, on the screen. My well, big thing is not Peter Cook. Is that his name? Peter Cook. Peter Cook. Um, he was, you know, partners famously for years with Dudley Moore. Right. Um, so most people in Bedazzle, are probably right? Bedazzle yeah. where he plays the devil. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because Dudley Moore plays the Brendan Fraser role. He's the Liz, <laughs> he's the Liz <laughs> Hurley of that movie. Yeah, I remember him as uh, uh, some people will remember him from The Princess Bride as the priest. Do you know who Mary's. I thought he was for the entire time I was watching the movie? The guy that has the candy store in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> that is not him. That is not him. <laughs> but I can see that. Yeah. Um, no, he's in he's in the Princess Bride. He says Mowage. That's him. So a lot of people remember him from that. But yeah, I don't think he's got like a big American following in no, 2019. No, in, an American following. But it's the sort of thing where you know that's to our own ignorance because mm-hmm. if you watch, you know, look him up in some of his other English movies. Oh, you sure, know. yeah, I'm sure he's huge. He died in '95. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's another reason that we don't know mm-hmm. his filmography very well. It's kind of small. But So um, we should probably just talk about just Selena. Selena yeah. and her life that she lives. So as you as you mentioned, Selena's kind of uh a, a failed wicked witch. He says that yeah. she she was reading tea leaves in Lake Tahoe and but she kind of failed at that. Now we're in Chicago, right? That's Chicago. Yeah. It's never explicitly it's a, it's said, a, yeah. But like Midvale on that map, they show they show Illinois, and very then, close to Chicago. Yeah, and then I think you can see the yeah the skyline. I uh, mean, these are quite the mountains for Illinois. Yeah, they have mountains this, like this in Illinois. Is this lake. I like that when it, when Kara was like flying around, and then and then they see her. It's just like where where is this? It's just like it seems to be like cut in from like Yosemite. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it's the cinema. I guess. I guess. <laughs> Don't think the, about it. I guess in the eighties, no one cared. Okay, no. So we have to, we have to talk about about Selena, Bianca, her henchwoman. Yeah. Oh my goodness, played by Brenda Vaccaro. Yes. Who I someone get who over. doesn't get enough she's attention. The, anyway. She's the Mrs. She's the Mrs. Tessamacher of this movie. She is the Mrs. Tessamacher of this movie, but she's not quite as much of a bimbo. Um. She's so that voice. She's amazing. Yeah, she's a she's a treasure, and she's so good in this movie. Um, her first appearance. Is it her first shot where she comes out on the train? Yeah. Okay. Well, we have to set up that Selena's. It's not just her like evil lair. It is her home. Right. They talk about paying rent. They talk about and the light bill. The light bill. It is an. I'm assuming an abandoned carnival. Yeah. And they're in the like haunted house ride. Right, essentially. They're in the dark ride. I don't know if they own the entire abandoned amusement park. Do you think they do? Because they talk I about they trespassing. They talk about trespassing. Yeah. They talk about you know the, ener- the DWP and the energy bills right. and all of that. Which also goes along the lines of, again, you know, 
Yeah. <laughs> but just right. forgotten. Comedy Forgot, yeah. gold just in the middle of a scene. Brenda Vaccaro just bursts open through the door because the track is still there. Yeah. And, and running. It's so fucking hilarious. Yeah. Just comedy in, gold. She's in the little like yeah. train cart the, of the ride. Uh, there is a moment when the lights come on and you actually see that it had been called the ghost train. Okay. The the fun house that they're, that they're is now in. their residence. Okay. And I like that the ghost train is just still on. It's still operating. Like, it's still running. Yeah, that doesn't seem very safe. But, yeah. You know. yeah. <laughs> well, but that's how she can sit back and forth with a cocktail and True. get a cocktail and go someplace, <laughs> else, you know? Yeah. And the crazy thing that I was mentioning to Scott earlier today is that this movie is 1984. And people have certain images and ideas about time periods and the 80s. But Brenda Vaccaro is this woman of the 80s that I remember that a lot of people don't really associate with that time. She looks like my mother and my aunts did in the 80s. She had this short hair, kind of a little bit of an updo, but short. And then she would wear these like jumpsuits mm-hmm. and I don't a lot of know, jersey dresses like a jersey knit kind of like a t-shirt material of these like pantsuits um but that short hair that like joyce dewitt kind of like i don't know like yeah. she just looked to me like she looked like an 80s woman to me and i just i can't get enough of, of yeah of bianca in this movie is bianca a witch I don't, or does she just think associate so. with Selena, and she's trying to? She's just sort of a clinger on her. She's yeah, trying... I mean, I guess as in as much as any members of a coven, right? Okay, all are sure. or or no, you know, there's there's almost like an apprentice aspect yeah. to her, yeah, too, you know. But she's she's so funny, and their interactions together are great because yeah. even though she's like a henchwoman, and she's kind of below Selena. She still gives it to her. Yeah. They still, like, you know... She'll she'll fully throw it back at her. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, again, we we had the advantage of seeing an extended cut of this than what people got in the theatrical release, uh, which which has more of that interplay where she's kind of dishing it back. She's almost like the ground... You know, she's the one who keeps track of the bills. Right, yeah. Yeah, she seemed like she's, she's keeping this place afloat. Well, Selena's off to like figure out you know bigger picture things, I guess. Yeah. But um, I have a little bit of uh, where. Well, okay, we should go back and mention that the Omega Hedron just kind of literally falls into Selena's lap. It falls into some like a uh, dip, like dip, dip. Pa- pate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love how how awkwardly whenever they put this orb in people's hands, whether it be like Faye Dunaway or well, they had to get it to or Spain. like uh, Helen Slater, they're just sort of positioning it like on camera. They're like holding yeah. it in the palm of their hand. Well, the it's a physical, it's <laughs> yeah. a practical effect right. yeah. that it's that it's revolving and kind of floating in their hands. Yeah, so you know, so they the, probably had to hold something between their fingers. Yeah. To get it to look like it's kind of floating and to get that spin going. So you can't really move your hand or hold it naturally. Mm-hmm. Right. And then to get the effect, you also probably had to angle it at the camera so you wouldn't see the stem. Because it's illuminated, too. Yes. So it's yeah. lit and spinning in their hand. Yeah. So there's probably a wire coming out of the bottom, <clears throat> coming out of the back of your hand. So there's probably a lot of, like, maneuvering. 
to get it into the shot, but it is a little awkward because their hands are f- completely flat palm mm-hmm. with this thing in it. And that's the thing you kind of think about. It's the charm of this movie that everything is in camera. Like right. the and, wand. Well, the flying ballet. Oh, my goodness. The flying. <laughs> the, the wire work. All the flying stuff looks really good in this movie. I think it holds up. It really does. You never saw Christopher Reeve do anything like Helen no, Slater did in this and, movie. And it was really Helen Slater doing it. And you could tell. Um, and it's that is one of the real shames of the U.S. theatrical cut. Oh, know? is all of that out? Um, you don't really see it? It was very chopped oh, up. Oh, man. The whole beginning where she um, stumbles at first and then yeah. you know, uses opens the flower with mm-hmm. her heat vision from a bud... And into light starts to float off the ground. That was all cut, oh, so wow. it was very truncated. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, when we would see it a million times on cable TV, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as a kid, I didn't understand pan and scan and all. Oh, that. yeah. When you yeah. get to see it, you know, her making the full loops. Yeah. In, in a single shot. Uh, yeah, those are great. It was very sophisticated. Yeah, yeah, those are really good. And kind of where the Superman movies went, didn't they cut a lot of costs and? The effects and the flying stuff just look cheaper and cheaper. I mean, in, in the Superman movies. Yeah, in the Superman movies we're talking part about. Yeah. Four, yeah, they yeah. were really... Part four, yeah. well, yeah. there's a specific... <laughs> the but there's thing. a specific problem because of the color of his suit and what they had used. They weren't using the old... There was a name for the method of front projection. And, mm. and so anyway, that yeah. had a change and had to do with that. Sure. But it didn't reflect here in Supergirl. No. And the, and when you were flying, you never saw any hint of a rig in her costume. No. I was no, trying to... the fabric to, never pinched I, up. I was trying to, to yeah. look and see if I could <clears throat> see wires yeah. that looked like they had kind of had to... Yeah. No, it was great. Either kind of put out with how they lit it, but it looked pretty seamless. Yeah. Even in the shot later on with the runaway tractor where she flies into, like, a tube. Uh, and, like an old drainage pipe or yeah, something. Yeah, and she walks out as, 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 as Linda. Linda. Yeah. That was pretty seamless. I'm like, how, yeah. did, they, how did they fly that stunt woman into that tube? Right, that... With, with the timing of it. Yeah. And then just having the even the sound effects of her footsteps landing and yeah. carrying the illusion through, mm-hmm. you know? And all of that just done in camera. That, that was amazing. And the thing is, too, a lot of those shots in the ballet, specifically when you're talking about these big loops that she did going high and going low, these are big, wide shots where you can see a lot of the sky. Yeah. And this had to be some... Huge crane, right? Like way out of camera, so that they could get these wires in there. I mean, that's stuff that you see in like circus acts, right? Really, really well done. And so that then is really to Helen Slater's credit in giving it a matter of fact quality. Like she had to be showing her right. character having a sense of wonder mm-hmm. at this first time flying, while being conscious of what she was doing in the rig, right? And so to not belay that is yeah. to her credit. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You got to have that look of off your face of like holy crap <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm like a hundred feet off the ground um well i'm assuming because kara is aware of clark superman mm-hmm. it's weird you know, that she just doesn't go and try to find him yeah because i think they even do they mention well he's uh, yeah it over the when you're first introduced yeah, to Selena on her car radio, it says that he is away. off of Earth. Oh, yeah. sure. Oh, it's on Selena's like in her Cadillac. So this was like after, <laughs> yeah, because he leaves Earth on Superman two. 
that's yeah. right. And it says yeah. it's uh, uh, the, there's a radio broadcast and like Superman is off on a peace seeking mission. Yeah, you know, galaxies away, light years away, yeah. or something like that. Because uh, it's funny though, because that makes you realize that in this world they've created, humans now have had to acknowledge the fact yes. of aliens. Yeah, <laughs> and so. You know, that is the possibility he'd be doing. Yeah, because so. if he's on a peace-seeking mission, but he's in another galaxy, like, wh- who's what peace? Like, so, yeah, so that's that's interesting. But, yeah, so, so Kara is aware that her cousin, I mean, I guess his name's Clark. It's, or what, what's Clark's, like, Kryptonian name? Um, Kal-El. Kal-El. Her cousin Kal-El, you know, lives on Earth. He is Superman. So I guess she's there also aware of the fact that Kryptonians on Earth have different abilities. Right. So and, that, it, and it's even mentioned by Mia Farrow early on. Oh, when, right. she says, you know, it's like something like she'll be killed. And he says, no, she won't. She goes, then she'll never be the same. She'll never be the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's aware of these of of the fact that she's Kryptonian. She's not from Earth, and Earth's yellow sun is like giving her all of these powers or whatever. So that's why she takes to flying so quickly. I guess. Now, but, isn't the whole well? Maybe that was just introduced in the Zack Schneider movie. Isn't it essentially like a thing with gravity that they can just jump? That's like when I mean, they're yeah, when they're flying. It's essentially them just jumping. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and that's part of like the original comic book. He didn't fly. He just jumped in really the high. in the really early beginnings of the comic yeah. it yeah. was that leap in a single bound yeah. sort of thing Le- leap tall buildings yeah mm-hmm. but then they just turned it into flying um kara's uh she knows she's got to look for the omega the little bracelet that zolt zolt zoltar her little tennis bracelet yeah it's kind of like a tracking you know thing going on and um but she kind of makes her way to this boarding school. Is it a boarding? It's a boarding school. They live there. Yeah, there's dorms. Because yeah. what better of a thing to do when you've you've got a mission to when you've save got a your mission people. to save your planet or your your like make your your people? You enroll in a boarding school and go to class. And you go to class a day. And she's she get she transforms with that hard lace like. That hard front wig. That's not a hard front wig. That was a really good wig. That looked like it was growing out of her head. There are some shots of it that look kind of janky, though. No, I think that that was a great wig. She looked like Courtney Cox. <laughs> I thought it was great. <laughs> I thought that that black, that dark hair looked like it was growing out of her head. I was like convinced. Um, yeah, she kind of sees these girls playing. It's also the first thing she comes across. Yes, the first people that she sees right. are these girls playing like lacrosse or whatever, right? Yeah, and you Field you, you kind of see her by the camera point of view that she does a top to bottom look at the school uniform they're yeah, wearing. Yeah, she sees the one girl. That's interesting that she can it. recreate stuff in her mind just to wear. Well, maybe Zoltar created that fabric with the Omega, so the fabric's got to be some kind of a smart. Yeah, it's like a smart fabric. Even yeah, in the, even in <laughs> the later the Superman movies, some. Of yeah. those transformations happen in a kind of mental yeah. way. Yeah. I think there's a scene once where he flies out a window and starts flying one way and ends up in the Superman outfit. Right. So Yeah. And then there's also the weird thing where he th- he peels the S off of his cape and or off of his chest and or, throws it on someone. Right. <laughs> but that's that's highly debated. Um 
Yeah, so she kind of morphs her outfit to like match the girls, and we meet just by happenstance, just you know, luck of the draw. We meet uh, Lucy Lane, Lois's kid sister. I love this character. I do too. This is like one of those just horny eighties yeah. <laughs> teenage girls. That's like, what was that Alan Carr movie where the boys are? Yeah, where they're. Like Spring Breakers, just looking for the D, which had been a '60s movie too. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's not like it was only the '80s mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, true. But, but I interesting. Just, it's the I girl's love, point of view. I yeah, love this sure. like archetype, though. Well, this, so this is Lucy Lane. Uh, she's Lois's younger sister. She's played by Maureen Teefy from yes. Grease Two. Grease Two. I love her in that, and she's also in Fame. Yeah, right. Um, so she was kind of. This was kind of her like arc in the '80s. Like she was right now. Do you, was do you know who was originally cast in this role? Oh. We we got this little bit of trivia. Oh, okay. Yesterday okay. at the Demi Moore. Yes. I would have liked to have seen Demi Moore in this in this role. She w- she she, she reads as, good. She reads as Margot Kidder's younger sister. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, so does Maureen T. So yeah. yeah, I think this was an excellent second choice. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, she def, but she had that like she had. I don't know if that's just her hair or if that was a perm. Yeah. <laughs> but she had that like curly hair. I think, but what. When I think about her in, in Grease 2. She looks super 80s in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> that movie, they just kind of forget about the, the, the period. And it's, she looks the least it's like the It's like the last seasons of Happy Days. Exactly. Yeah. They it just, just forgets that it was set the in the early yeah. 60s. Joni, just, Joni gets a perm for sure. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Scott Bale also has the Joyce DeWitt hair. <laughs> 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 Look it up, people. You know, I'm I right. love everything that she has in her her dorm room. Yeah. She has all of these like beefcake photos of guys in speedos. I love that she's just totally put off by having a roommate. She's yeah. just like fuck. Yeah. She warms up to her super quick though. <laughs> yeah, right. o- only because of realizing the association. Uh, well, yes, to her. Uh... So, who's your cousin, Clark Kent? You're kidding me. Clark Kent's your cousin? You're putting me on. You know him? Do I know him? Does my sister know him? Now that's the big question. (laughs) Oh, I see. I guess if they worked at the same newspaper, they must know each other. Well. Is this where I'll sleep? Well, this is your bed, but we don't sleep around here. Nonstop excitement in this storm. All the real dementals are sent here. (laughs) So, when's the rest of your stuff arriving? I don't have any other stuff. What, it's all in that little bag? Oh, well, you see, I have the means to buy more. It's just, well, I just haven't had the chance since. This is where she sees the poster of Superman. Where she sees the the publicity still. Is that a photograph? It almost looks like a painting or like an it, illustration. It was actually a poster that was out at the time. Oh. Do you know him? sister's got something going with the big guy. Hey, listen, you can borrow any of my clothes anytime you want. Just dig in and help yourself. Thank you. You're very kind. He's a real character. A real hunk. Uh-huh. A real hunk. I love Marine Teefy's delivery. Yeah. yeah. My sister's got something going with the big guy. Yeah. She's, <laughs> she's even, she even gets that smoky voice quality. Yeah. That's, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe that's where that, maybe that's where that's coming from. 
just like uh, studying Margot Kidder's performance because it's very specific. Margot yeah. Kidder's delivery. She what a great choice for Lois Lane though, Margot Kidder. I mean, God, yeah, she was really when good you, in those movies. When you get to see some of the extras of the other screen tests for Lois, mm-hmm. and uh, some, you know, I think Susan Blakely does a pretty decent screen test, but mm-hmm. then when you see Margot, it's clear, yeah. It's it's like when you see the screen tests for Star Wars and you see all the girls that read for 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 Princess Leia, and then they cut to to Carrie and you're just like, oh well, yeah, yeah. that's why they when they <laughs> when they, they read her. like uh, Laverne Shirley, w- Cindy Williams, Cindy Williams, Cindy Williams would have been a good. Can you imagine <laughs> Star Wars with Cindy Williams? <laughs> oh man, she's a, she's our low rent Sally Field. We like Cindy yeah. Williams. She's welcome on the show. <laughs> So okay, so yeah, so now Linda and La- okay, this is that that comic book thing where every character has to have an alliterative name. Uh, they look at something Lin- and no, but oh. that Linda Lee and yeah. Lucy Lane and Clark Kent and Peter Parker and like right. it's just every every name has to be alliterative right. and it's just impossible to say. <laughs> and but they even acknowledge that yeah. by having him. The, uh, transpose their last the names. Dean yeah, get confused oh over goodness. this dean. He is inappropriate. I mean, yeah, this is your new roommate. She's an orphan, but don't yeah. let that. Like, yeah, don't let her. Don't let her like uh, use that against. Oh man, that kind of gossip. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I love the dean. But he's very funny. You know, when it opens with him taking Tylenol, you know, having yeah. to deal with the position. Yeah, these kids. He just like <laughs> he hates these girls. He's just like ah. These monsters, and then there's also the uh, the drunken house mother, yeah, right, who got cut out of the print that we saw yesterday, but she's in the Netflix version. So if you watch this on Netflix, there's a good scene with the drunken house mother being very drunk, right, and seeing uh, seeing Linda, well, seeing Kara, really seeing yeah. her dress comes back in her in her Supergirl uniform, yeah, and she's like, "Where's her uniform?" You better yeah. change out of that. <laughs> Whatever. Where do you, you think this is Halloween? This isn't Halloween. Yeah, and I was watching it, going, "We didn't get this." Right? Because <laughs> she was great. You know, again, it's almost like it is kind of like this kid's perception of what we think teachers think of us. Oh, yeah. definitely. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Or just what you think of if your parents would have shipped you off to a boarding school. Yeah, right. It would have been something like this. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll. We can briefly mention these two like hags that are just like <laughs> yeah. There's like why they there's hate like, bullies. There's the like schoolgirl shenanigans they're that so there's rude. like a pretty much like a ten minute scene of pranks that have that are backfiring on them. Well, they're not just pranks. This one chick yeah. is She's, trying to like murder them all. Right. <laughs> She's gonna. They're all taking a shower like it's a scene from Porky's. And she's going to turn up the hot water in the shower. And they're just gabbing. They're all just like gabbing in the shower, just hanging out, having a gay old time, just like. <laughs> well, they're all discussing Hart Bachner. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gardening man. without a shirt. Hart Bachner. Jeez yeah. Louise. This one. He's, I'm, I feel like if you're, the, if, you're the, if you're the gardener at an all-girls boarding school, he's, maybe keep the shirt he's on. He's gardening with, the sh- his sh- with his shirt off. <laughs> no, but, but back then... Don't you remember driving in construction workers and things? true, yeah. Definitely. The, the shirtless, handy people. Yeah. 
We're always like that. And no, just, and also just the the some goodness. scenes throughout the town. There were just town a guy folk. driving with his shirt off. There yeah. was one of their friends in, in the Popeyes yeah. had his shirt just open with no shirt underneath. I missed like, that time. Yeah, it was a lot freer. <laughs> Fast times at Ridgemont High, man. Everybody's walking around shirtless. But that was California. Mm-hmm. You know, you know Chicago. Uh, <laughs> and any chance they can get to get some sun, they're probably just like, oh, it's. It's 65 degrees. Yeah. <laughs> Off I, with the shirt. I read that John Travolta was considered as Ethan. I, I think, I've never heard I that I think before. they offered it to him, and he... I don't know. Was that an IMDb trivia? It was IMDb. Really? Who knows? I, I'd never heard well, that. Well, I don't know what but... Travolta would have been up to in 84. I don't know. Quite a bit. I mean, I when... no, I think that he kind of fell from grace what in like year the was, early 80s. What year was... Was it Two for the Road, or what was the name of that? Two, two of, of a Kind. Two of a Kind. With, a, with Olivia yeah. Newton-John, that was probably like 82. Okay. Wow. And that was a big flop too. Right. So that could be. Well. Anyway, I'm glad they went with Hart. I mean, what else would we know Hart Bachner from? Was he a television star? Was he, was he in Die Hard? An upcoming movie star? Yeah. He he was a big thing in Die Hard. Okay. Okay. He still works pretty consistently. Yeah. He still works a lot. He does a lot of TV. Okay. All right. All right. I was wondering, just to go back to the two school bullies for mm-hmm. a second. Oh man! Uh, one of their interactions also showed one of the better practical effects when she lobs the the field the, hockey the ball, field yeah. hockey yeah. ball, and uh, you know, so Helen Slater jumps in and literally breaks it. You yeah, know, she shields Lucy and breaks the ball on her back, and it's all done like in a single shot. Yeah, that was amazing. Yeah. And the ball shatters. Yeah. What would have happened if it hit Lucy? Yeah. <laughs> Murdered her. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Lucy would be dead. That ball shattered into a million pieces when it hit uh, Linda in the back. Um, okay. So, Selena has the orb. Her and Bianca just happen to be driving by the school. And Selena's kind of what coming. are the chances on what that? What are the odds? This, what are the odds? This town, yeah, but it's but it's within walking distance of the amusement park. This That's is true. Yeah, it must be. Yeah, and walking distance to where where Kara flew out of the lake because that's when she like did her little ballet. It neighbors then, a it neighbors a national park, and then saw the girls. Right, and so. and Selena mentions to Ethan later on that I've seen you around. Right, right. Yeah, so. Oh my goodness! Right, he he now. does look pretty good in that in that, <laughs> in that yes. first scene where he's cutting that branch off. But yeah, we see uh, we see Selena and Bianca uh, drive up, and they're stuck behind a bus, and we get this amazing back and forth. Love, hate, love, hate, love. The cards have decided. People will do anything for love. They'll jump off cliffs for love. They'll drown themselves like lemmings. So, I'll make everybody love me. Oh, no chance. You're an awful person, honey, remember? Forget it. Use your imagination, Pinhead. That's what magic is all about. (laughs) Pinhead, I love (laughs) So, okay, so her plan is to make everybody love her so she can dominate the world. Just going to... Like, rule the like world, most politicians. Sure, as yeah. a queen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is pretty much just like most politicians. <laughs> oh man! But I guess this is how she gets her stormtroopers at the end. Her like motorcycle riding. Th- not only that, but she mentions during that weird party inside the fun, uh, mm-hmm. the haunted funhouse that um, 
all those people in the coven, she's like, these are going to be my foot soldiers. Right. Oh, that's right. That's where she, yeah. Yeah. She has, that's what all the, oh my goodness. That party is amazing. Yeah. I love that Selena's look when, at, when she's at her most like wicked, she's always wearing like very like Asian inspired, like mm-hmm. yeah. robes and yeah. Her hair is up. So, and always in a kind of ancient arts mm-hmm. sort of way. Yeah. But I, I also, it might be a good point, one of the things I wanted to bring up is, you know, Faye gets a lot of flack for this, and I just don't understand it because I love at the same time that she um, has her big, grand, wicked moments, mm-hmm. she still reverts back to, oh, wait a minute, what's that spell? And yes. puts on her yes. little her little horn-rimmed glasses yes. and flips through a book. She's like reading her, uh, it, it, it's almost like a cookbook. Right. She's reading it, and she's making stuff in her cauldron. Right, and in those moments, she has no pride. She puts on her little yep. glasses and yeah. reads. Yeah. She'll pluck a spider off the web it's, in order to It's like a beautifully spell. layered performance. And it's one of those things that what she's doing is crazy, but like Mommy Dearest, she's so committed. Like right. She is like in this role 110%. Absolutely. She is yeah. like giving it all. And, and even at the end, when she's had this weird symbiosis with the Omega Hedron and is at her most powerful. Even her glasses are now these like fabulous horn mm-hmm. rims. Yeah. Gem studded. Like jewels. Yeah. So. I thought they changed. I wasn't sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it, I just think it's an interesting trait that it isn't yeah. just all like people will lead you right. to believe over the top delivery. She right. has these little moments of a yeah. person, you know. It's uh, her character in that sense is a little like um, Angela Lansbury in Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Yes. Like yeah. She's learning as she's yes. going. And Brenda Vaccaro even mentions, too, like uh, the first showdown with Selena and and Supergirl at the at the amusement park where she tr- kind of transports right. Ethan off the you know the ride and into the bumper cars and all that. She's Brenda Vaccaro's just like, what the hell? Like you're yeah. learning fast. Or so she yeah. says something like you're you she's know like leaps and she's learning bounds. by leaps and bounds. I yeah. gotta tell you, yeah, yeah. And part of it is maybe part of it is the Omega just like getting into her head as well. Right. So well, like, it, that's one of the things I was going to bring up. One of the deleted scenes that isn't in any of the commercial releases right now Mm -hmm. there's a scene where she tries to and again it shows you just kind of what losers they are she tries to cook (laughs) dinner a roast chicken or something i saw that on youtube you did see that on youtube and the power like it comes out burnt and literally like deflates or something like that and i can't remember the delivery but it's she admits that when she's under its influence Mm -hmm. she can't really control herself yeah so it does just give you a little more insight that they're feeding off of each other. Right, right. Yeah. And the little box that she keeps it in, mm-hmm. first off, it's just this little Keeps tiny, changing. Yeah, it's yeah. just this little tiny, like, trinket box, but then it just keeps getting bigger. Yeah. But and it's it a really bigger, bizarre sculpt, it's too. It's so it's weird. A yeah. kind of beautiful and demonic yeah. sculpt that keeps happening, uh, which I guess the suit of the demon that we never really see clearly right, right. is based on... Okay. That makes, yeah. You know, that box. I wasn't sure at the beginning when the box first started growing if it was just getting to be a bigger version of what the small box was. But then at one point I was like, oh, no, that is different. Yeah, it's changing. So we should probably talk about a big subplot with these two characters, these two women, is that they want to snag this guy. Yes. They see this gardener shirtless and they're like, well, we need that 
We need that D. Bianca takes. We are going to snag him. Bianca right. takes down his yep. number that's on the side of his truck. Right. And Selena's just like gets a magic these, love spell. These two women fighting over this man. Right. And she whips up this uh, this love spell. That would in like, her cookbook. That was yeah. the scene, like in her cookbook, when she puts on her glasses of like, well, like what was that? Yeah. And then he comes over. <laughs> And then we think it's so funny that when she opens up her fridge, what does she pull out? These tab cans of Schlitz. Schlitz malt liquor. But just, I love that. Well, she has to give him a drink because she has to. These malt liquor cans in her fridge. But if you, you have to also harken back. In the late 70s and early 80s, the, the beer commercials, the ones. That were the seductive kind of wah 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 commercials. Were the malt liquors? Were the malt liquors? Yeah. <laughs> Colt forty five man, Billy yeah. D. Williams. He was. Oh, those commercials were about like getting your lady into bed. Yeah. <laughs> but just the image of her pulling those cans out of the fridge are so funny. Yeah. yeah. Which again, it just really sh- like the grandiose notions they have of themselves and the reality. Yeah, is yeah. what is very clever actually. Be- yeah, because she's got to she's got to slip him the love potion, and she's like, "Would you like a drink?" And you're like, "Oh, she can give him a glass of wine, like maybe some champagne." <laughs> nope, malt liquor cans. <laughs> and it's 1984, so there's still the pull tab where you like yep. peel the tab back and drop it off. And she gives him that can, and he's just like. Bottoms up and just yeah, he shotguns that beer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. His acting choice. I mean, he had a little bit of like Stallone in there. Like I don't know if that's just his face. Um, he's a very attractive man. Yes, he yeah. Is. Uh, but I got- but he. Ha- I mean, now to his defense, a little bit. He he did have to portray being in a drugged stupor yes. for yes. a, a really lot. long stretch. A lot of the movie. Yeah, yeah. stumbling, tripping, and falling. Yeah. In like in cowboy boots. Yeah. Um so he takes he takes the potion and does he escape? He, How does he, he get out? He wakes up while they're having well, that's when Nigel appears in right. the leisure oh, suit. Oh sure, sure, sure. Yeah. In the leisure suit. Does he call it a leisure suit? He he does. Yeah. He identifies yeah. it. When they when they call him the task on his outfit. <laughs> Which they both do <laughs> separately. Both of them are just like, What the hell is this? Yeah, he has a he had like a little like a purse, like a little man, it, like bag. a little man purse that oh, matched man. the material. And because he was, it was like a three day weekend. Yeah, we'll take a, a we'll take a screenshot of it and post it on yeah, the Instagram because account. it's pretty remarkable. <laughs> it's it's pretty awesome. Uh, but her delivery of that line, you know, he he says, "I have a very serious proposition," and she says, "In that outfit," <laughs> <laughs> and it's like it's not it's not leather. Is no, it? No. It looks like that kind of pleather. That kind of pl- yeah. Vinyl, you know? vinyl. But it's during that time that Ethan Hartbachner wakes up from his stupor and sure. wanders out of the park right. into the streets. And it's, yeah, and it's the three-day weekend, so now all the kids are just out right. and about in town at Popeye's. They're all getting together at Popeye's, man. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to get that chicken sandwich. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Jimmy Olsen's in town. Right. And it's the Jimmy Olsen from the Superman movie, right? Yes, yes, yeah. So he's the only one to have com- appeared in all of the uh, South uh, the wow. franchise yeah. movies. That's okay. That's cool. And uh, listeners, you may know him. He was played by Mark McClure from Back to the Future. Yes, he plays Marty's older brother. 
mm-hmm. who works at Burger King. Um, so while he's now, uh, Ethan is wandering around town and I have to say this movie rivals, uh, Poltergeist three in the amount of times a character's name is screamed on camera. I think they say the name Ethan, <laughs> right? Like, close to 80 times throughout this movie. People are screaming his name. Well, Kara mostly is screaming his name out. Well, she got to kiss him. I'd be screaming yeah, too. Yeah, that's, that's true. He Okay, so <laughs> the first person he sees, he will fall in love with, and now he's wandering around town. But I guess he's just not making eye contact with anyone? Yeah, he doesn't. You know, he as they come and he looks like he's in a drugged out stupor. Yeah, yeah, and he's stumbling around, and so uh, Selena takes possession of a tractor, as you do, yeah, an Earth Mover, yeah. to to scoop him up. I kept thinking how dangerous that scene was probably to to film. Yeah, it looked pretty dangerous with a lot of those extras <laughs> yeah. that like dodging out in front of this huge bulldozer. Yeah. Well, one of the things that that is alleged in the uh, as a missing cutscene that hasn't appeared in any version since then in any mm. reconstruction is it as, is that whole sequence uh, does wind up killing a civilian. What? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can see why. And, you know, maybe the initial thought was that, you know, because we start to have, as we've been discussing, you almost start to have sympathy or at least empathy cool cool empathy for selena but something like that would have been a line cross yeah for sure so that her uh ultimate comeuppance may be a little more deserved yeah because even at the end when she does like come into power and has her stormtroopers like rounding everybody up and putting them in like these cages right and you don't i mean that's (laughs) only the people that we see yeah like she's obviously made other people disappear and you don't know yeah true true well eventually uh kara makes her way away from the kids and turns into supergirl saves ethan and uh he sees her and falls in love with her my thoughts while i'm watching this movie are you know the hero is now a female character it's supergirl they kind of not shoehorn in but they give her this love interest but she's constantly saving him and flying around carrying him yep. and she's not carrying him like in her arms but she's carrying him in the funhouse bumper car, car. Bumper car. Yeah. she's carrying him inside the tractor you know claws but he's like a male character that this female character he's the is, male damsel is saving yeah. and I wonder how well that flew with the production company if people were just like no this is weird you know was that even a thought at the time because they consciously didn't give captain marvel a boyfriend yes and wonder woman while she has chris pine she never really saves him he's like he's a spy and like a government agent and so he is a fighter and gets his way out of trouble himself. Well, not not in that version. At well, least, yeah, anyway, yeah, in the in the the new the newer movies that that we've just seen, uh, the female superheroes are not really saving the the male characters in the ways that Supergirl saves Ethan in this movie twice, mm-hmm. right? And it's just kind of interesting. It you is know, interesting. Yeah. All these years later, they they're just like, oh well, she can't save him. He's got to be able to fight his way out of whatever you yeah know? that that is interesting yeah 
you you would think it would be in the reverse by now. Yeah, yeah. And I would have thought at the time they would have been like, uh, no, she's not carrying him to safety. That's just weird. Yeah. Because that would kind of emasculate him, you know, being knocked out. But he's he's incapacitated every time she saves him. Right. So maybe that's kind of their way of being like, no, he's not weaker than her. He's just knocked out. He's drugged. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, you know, if if we're going to speculate on that, you know, being actually a European production, yeah. like all the movies were, mm-hmm. you know, maybe those things weren't the bigger issue As, yeah. over there. Sure. And they were really doing an exact counterpart to right. Superman's heroics. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, yeah, so she saves him. He does end up being the first person that he sees or I guess makes eye contact with. There's no broken bones. I love that little nod to her x-ray vision. Oh, that's right. I love you. What did he say? What did he say? Look like I love you to me. (laughs) No! Hits his head. Kept it in the take. Yeah. <laughs> a bird of free and careless wing was I through many a smiling spring. The cold repulse, the look askance, the lightning of love's angry glad stay. Let me behold you. <laughs> Awkward kiss. She doesn't know what kissing is. Right. I also have to <laughs> give a shout out to how good Jerry Goldsmith's score is in this movie. Yeah. Because I think yeah. if you were to take out the score, it would cheapen the movie a lot and the score just sort of it elevates, elevates it. it and it makes it a little more important absolutely yeah and did did you say that you weren't around for the q a no right okay. we weren't yeah um one of the people one of the questions brought up was that um jerry goldsmith was the first person who was approached i think to do the superman score oh wow before it went to john williams wow. so the question that had been put out was do you think this music it was what he was intending Possibly. for Superman. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ilya immediately said, no, absolutely not. Oh. He wrote this specifically for Supergirl. Oh. He invented a sort of electric piano to do some of the oh, weird wow. elect- the, the tonalities and things to go mm-hmm. with the score. Um, he was very quick to acknowledge that this was really specifically for this okay. movie. Um, which I think is kind of cool because yeah. then, then what we like about it, you know, that he really did think of it with right. Helen's characterizations in mind. Yeah, yeah. Kind of sounds like the score for Poltergeist because he would have done them back to back. Well, just little. There's just little, yeah. just little bits, little, yeah, little yeah. beats. Not not overall, but um, yeah, the score is really good. But and it's and it's out complete now. Just oh, cool. yeah, I saw that it was on vinyl. Now. Oh, well, maybe they have a new complete yeah, version there's because like a it new, was very chopped up in the day. There's oh, a new special okay. edition but, vinyl uh, of it, I great. think. Yeah, great. Yeah, it just released. Um, I love that uh, Selena, as part of her new powers, has figured out how to make like a magic mirror. Yeah, to kind mm-hmm. of in, this, see. in this great Art Nouveau, oh, yes. freestanding <laughs> life-size mirror. Yeah. So she's extra evil queen with her yeah. mirror. But she, but she still doesn't know how to control it. She's just right. like, I th- you know, she thinks hard enough. The images that she's looking for are there. But then she kind of realizes it doesn't really matter. I just need to think about it. And then because that's when she that's when she um, conjures up the shadow beast. Yeah. To go and, and 
and fight Supergirl. That's when she's just like, I don't need to know her name. I just need to, you know, think about her. So on IMDb, I was reading the potential actresses that were either that were offered or considered for Selena. Did you see these? So Dolly Parton supposedly was offered <laughs> millions of dollars, but Dolly just doesn't want to play she would an evil never witch. Play a villain. <laughs> so that's why she turned it down. And I guess that they approached both Jane Fonda and Goldie Hawn, who both said no. Goldie would have been too young. It would have been yep. interesting to see. I would love to have seen Jane Fonda. Jane Fonda would have been good. Yeah. Have fun with something a little bit. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, her, her career was pretty serious in the eighties, like right. China Syndrome. Coming home, right? And this and would have maybe, been a good break for that. Maybe she could have lent a slightly more sinister, serious bent to it. Uh, but it would have been that would have been interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think Faye was perfect. I do. Too. Yeah, yeah, Faye's great. <laughs> and uh, it's one of those things. I mean, just to kind of talk a little bit about Faye Dunaway's personal life, it's kind of a bummer that she doesn't sort of appreciate or ride the campy fun of both this and her Joan Crawford. But I know that these are roles that you're probably not supposed to bring up with her if you ever are interviewing her. Right. But, you know, I I can't help but think that we've, you know, I'm going to say this. I don't know. (laughs) Like in our own community, I think we sometimes add a higher camp value to things than they actually have. Sure. And and perpetuate it in a certain way. So I've noticed it with other actors and actresses. That if something is initially looked at or criticized badly or looked at unfavorably, then they develop a defense uh, talk about them. Right. They, they, yeah. they, are, they are ready to be in defensive posture with it, if not all out like Faye, not having it mentioned. And so they don't even allow themselves uh, a, you know, people to look back at it now and, and appreciate it. You know, mm-hmm. by by putting up those walls of you can't talk to me about those roles. Mm-hmm. Um, now, as we're doing, who actually appreciate it, uh, that doesn't get to be seen by them. So, which is a shame. Yeah, but Selena is amazing, and yeah. like, you get you get when certain uh, speeches that she gives, you kind of get that big Faye like delivery. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I mean that's what what won her Oscar for network. And I was going to say that moments like this kind of speaks to how good she is in this role, giving it this nuance and these layers of just like, yes, I'm a, a wicked witch, but I'm also I'm learning, I'm trying to figure things out, and she gives it these layers and these things that you really feel and you and you kind of right. Um, and even her moments of trying of being sexy, yeah, like there's actually flat out lines, oh, you know, yeah. of like. You know your seeds yes. in, re- 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 <laughs> in reference to what they're going to do with Ethan. Oh yeah, for know? sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, and what are they going to do with Ethan? Is he just going to be like their houseboy that just hangs out <laughs> around their lair, brings sure. him drinks? <laughs> well, at the end when they do have their like fortress on top of this mountain, he's dressed like Tony Montana, mm-hmm. and he and has like gold like chains and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> he's just going to be her like she's. Her mall. She's looking for offspring. Yeah, to take over the to world. perpetuate this <laughs> this coven. Um, I do. Just speaking of her performance, um, I do have the little bit where she's conjuring the um, the smoke monster. Oh, 
which is it's another great back and forth with her and, and, and Bianca. Yeah, she's a wimpy little thing. I don't even know why you care what she does anyway. Because nobody gets in my way. Why don't you just leave this poor kid alone and worry about the other one that flies? I worry about everything. It's my job, Stan. Oh, come on now. She's just a teenager. What good is a sword if it's not unleashed? But she's a total zero. You don't even know her name. The naming of names is not necessary. I'll just concentrate on her face, and my shadow will do the rest. Your what? Power of shadow. Take shape. Look like a vicious dark star. Seek out that wretched young creature and destroy her wherever she are. Oh God, that's awful. That's never gonna work. Just reading her to filth as she's doing this. <laughs> but it also shows too. Bianca is just like. Try, Bianca has good in her, you know? She's trying to say, like, listen, there's there's one that's maybe worth more your time than, you know, the right. zero that they keep it's, calling. And it, and it shows her, Linda. you know, that they've probably been these kind of friends for a long time, and she's seeing the transformation that's yeah. happening to Selena yeah. on, a, on a more serious level. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I, I was going to say also this is – also a great practical sequence, you know, that is almost like the Krell monster in Forbidden Planet. The, oh, yeah. The, yeah. Invis- exactly the invisible was, guys yeah. of it yeah. and and how it's all handled with the ground yeah. sinking and the, mm-hmm. things being pushed out of the way. Yeah, I totally thought of, of Forbidden Planet when I, when I was watching it. Um, but it makes me feel like, does Bianca deserve to get banished to the Phantom Zone <laughs> with Selena at the end? Is that what happens to Selena at the end? Yeah. Do, do they just go to the Phantom Zone? I think so. I think so. I think that's what happens. And there's a shot that's specifically that tornado going right to Bianca. Right, and she pulls out from the wall. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so what do we have left? We we have to get to this like crazy mountain that... Yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> she just creates this mountain. I, I guess yeah. that sometimes her powers are a little... Fuzzy, like I don't quite know what she can do and what she can't do, so she just creates this mountain out of thin air. Then, right? Yeah, right. Which, well, the Omega which, does. which everyone reacts to. It's mm-hmm. it's everyone else realizes that too. But uh, which I'll also say, you know, Derek Meddings did the special effects mm-hmm. in this. Is it a mat? Um, no, it's a it's a miniature. Oh, and okay. so it looks he, good. He did the miniature work in just about all of those early James Bond movies. Okay. Um, uh, he started doing Jerry Anderson's Thunderbirds. And oh wow, Stingray oh, and, wow. and some of those things. But but the the sophistication at this point because it's even got a. Uh, you know, he did something to make this kind of glistening waterfall coming mm-hmm. down it, and it's this very Frank Lloyd Wright looking. Fortress on on top of it, um, you know. He, he, not too far before this or after it, he did. Um, this is it. The spy who loved me, who did, who had the big, uh, the underwater city that would rise up. Oh gosh, I think so. Um, but he was able at that point to to be able to like track over past live action onto his miniatures as, yeah. as you see with the first appearance of this mountain. So yeah. it's really 
kind of remarkable. Yeah, it's something that they do where it's pro- I think it's like floating up. It's like raised off the ground so it's in the camera and the right, right. angle. And it even so appears to be someone. behind the phone wires and yeah. things like that. So anyway, it's yeah. just believable. <laughs> and there's even a shot where Supergirl is flying up the mountain to the fortress and mm-hmm. it, that's in camera. There's a yeah. little teeny Supergirl that's yeah. flying up there. And I think it was a little teeny Supergirl early in the film when Nigel sees her passing through right. the trees because yeah. you see them pass behind the yeah, trees. Behind, mm-hmm. so. And that's not something they could do in an optical effect in 1984. Right. So yeah, those are those are in-camera little things that they that they included. Yeah, that, that looked really good. Um, and at this point, Selena just, this is like the culmination of her plan. She's got like the 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 stormtroopers on motorcycles rounding up townsfolk. Um, she comes through town in like a little parade, like in this like Cruella de Vil car. Yeah, with yeah, with Bianca. Is Bianca still driving it at this point, <laughs> or is she in the back with Selena? I, don't I think know. she's in the back with Selena. Yeah, or is Ethan in the back with Selena? Yeah, I don't remember. But but uh, at any rate, Nigel is like chained. <laughs> in the boot like like making a show yeah strapped to the back of the car but i just love that this is her plan that she's just gonna rule the world on this mountain well she's got her little map Mm -hmm. right and the the circumference is getting bigger and bigger they did have their plans on who -hmm. who was going to be taken over when yeah (laughs) and just like here we're going to start with the cops you know they're kind of they kind of throw some stuff in there with dialogue and with visuals to kind of say like this is her real and again Little factual dialogue that in our initial U.S. release was never present. So right. no wonder it was oh, kind of like... Oh, that scene was cut? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. you got to have that scene. Yeah, because otherwise you're just like, what is going on? Right. <laughs> what are they doing? What is her end game? Well, maybe she made the people love her, just like she said she would. This is true. <laughs> or at least she made the cops love her and get right. on her side. Because they even had protesters with signs and everything. Yeah. You know, so. Because uh, I like that Lucy's sign was like, "Our dorm is against Selena." <laughs> Just the dorm. <laughs> some of the some of the girls at school were all about Selena. <laughs> her dorm well, is. Against we we her. know at least two that would. have Oh been. yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, I'm kind of surprised that they didn't make a special appearance at the end. Is yeah. just like minions that she, they're part of her army now. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they're at, under at the, the party. Oh yeah, at the party. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh, Lord. So she uses Ethan kind of as a trap to get Supergirl mm-hmm. to the to the fortress and traps her really quickly in the Phantom Zone. Yeah. Like real fast. Like she ends Which, up. Which I didn't, I guess, had the Superman movies ever showed the Phantom Zone like this? No. they You've never seen inside the Phantom Zone. Because they're just in the flat yeah. surface. The, the like. Of when you, they're right, the transportation and the diamond mm-hmm. crystal thing. Their yeah. hands are like on the glass. Let us out. Let us out. Yeah, right. That's all you ever see of it. And but now you see inside the Phantom Zone and what's there. Looks like Mars. Yeah, it's just dark and there's lots of tar. It yeah. kind of looks like Mars <laughs> from Mars from Total Recall. It's kind of like Mars done by Salvador Dali. Yeah, mm-hmm. because there's even like a I could never tell whether it's which I kind of like. It's ambiguous. You could never tell if it was like. A roof, almost like a cave-like roof, yeah. or whether it was just the twisted shape of the mountains and clouds. Yeah. It's very weird. Well, also Zoltar mentions that, like you know, the Phantom Zone is for criminals, right? So he mentions that criminals are there, right? He's like they're just, and over- you're always having to stay yeah. ahead of them. Yeah, and apparently that's also one of the things that used to have 
a lot more to it. We spend a lot of time in the Phantom Zone. Yeah, <laughs> this movie. I was just like, okay, but you know, he's got. It should be this inescapable kind of dimension that criminals get sent to, but he figures out a way to. Yeah. Well, out. as the architect. Sure. Okay. There you go. Would know a little he more. Would be the Maybe, one. Perhaps. Yeah. But um, yeah, they make their way out. She gets back to the to the fortress, and uh, we've got our final showdown mm-hmm. with Selena. And I have to say. The character of Supergirl doesn't have a lot of lines in this movie. Like, I don't know. I feel like she does she doesn't have a lot there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on around her, but when we do get to the final showdown and she kind of has her first interaction with Selena and she's finally like, All right, you know, the game's up, like it's over. It's really the first time you see her like be tough. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of times... She's gone on her, like, hero's journey. Yeah. But too. She, but she has, you know, she does have Lucy as her friend, but Lucy doesn't know that she's Supergirl. So a lot of the scenes, like the flying ballet at the beginning, she's alone and doesn't have anybody with her that knows she's Supergirl, so there's right. no dialogue. Yeah, she's not really talking no. to anyone. She's and, just yeah. uh, kind of has that look of wonder on her face. Yeah, so there's not a lot of dialogue in those scenes and even when she's fighting the she's fighting the shadow beast it's just her and the right shadow so she's not talking to it right i mean you know i guess it's just the nature of her growth and experiencing things yeah is it's just you have to see her yeah react yeah to all of that and maybe perhaps that's what if the movie had done well and spawned a sequel right you know, then you would have seen her stand her own and be a more verbal person. <laughs> yeah, true. So, kind of thinking about the reception of this movie, because it didn't do very well. And I know that it was shelved. I th- it was uh, originally funded by Warner, and then they sold it to TriStar. And TriStar, I know, kind of shelved it for a little bit, and they didn't give it that great of a release. But I'm kind of surprised this movie didn't do better. But I guess it was just audiences weren't used to a type yeah. of movie like this. And again, you know, also as an audience, if the business heads, the theatrical people take it out of circulation sooner than yes. we, dis- we discover it, what are you going to do? Because yeah. I feel like it's a movie that the public probably should have liked at the time. And I feel like if they would have pushed it a little harder, it would have been a bigger hit, right. too. And I wonder... To your point, if if that also kind of reflects on, you know, was it a was it a woman's attitude right. reflection, right? Mm-hmm. Or was it really just, you know, inherent? Yeah. Uh, now they didn't do that at first overseas. It did have its big, you know, grand premieres and openings mm-hmm. in a very high weekend, and they never gave it that promotion here. Okay. So. Interesting. And you have to give this movie a lot of credit because I I take it that we're kind of wrapping up with like our kind of our uh, our uh, takeaways of this movie, right? Unless you wanted to hear the little bit with uh, Supergirl and Selena from the very final. Oh show yes, now. yeah, play that. You've had your fun, Selena. The game is finished. Hardly one false step, Bluebird. And even if you don't, your friends will get the point. I don't like this. Don't worry, Lucy. 
story. I wouldn't if I were you. Well, you're not me. Classic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was good from both both of them. That was like perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, like I mentioned before, you know, Wonder Woman and Captain Marvel have both recently hit the big screen and people are making, you know, a lot of fuss as they should for, you know, in 2019, there's a lot to be said about superhero movies kind of oversaturating the market. And there are two with female leads. Mm-hmm. Um, are you familiar with all of the statements that, that Scorsese has made about uh, Marvel yes. movies being like yeah. the theme park of cinema? Yeah. He wrote a big uh, like op-ed in the New York Times about right. it too. Right. Um, but yeah, no, in all these conversations about, you know, Wonder Woman and, and Captain Marvel, like, I feel like Supergirl gets left out of the conversation yeah. a lot of the time. Yeah. The I DC mean, universe I'm, hasn't I'm, quite gotten to exploring Supergirl yet. I mean, I'm glad that there's a TV series that's actually yes. been mm-hmm. fairly successful. And Helen Slater, uh, I believe, fairly, is on it. And yeah, I think so. You know, I'm I'm a traditionalist in their look, and so and her look in these. Oh yeah, is great. also pretty. Yeah, you know, traditional. Yeah, she wears the skirt for the first three seasons. I think they finally. I think they just introduced uh, a look where they got rid of the skirt. Yeah. Well, this now this is a thing. Not maybe not to Scorsese's point per se, but you know, it seems like with this these past couple of years of superhero movies, you know, I mean, come on, folks, it's a superhero movie. You can't be afraid of the fact that they're in costumes yeah. and wearing tights. I mean, yeah. that's what these heroes did. So making them look like these neoprene, pre-molded, yeah. dark, dingy, like they were soaked in ink versions <laughs> of the costumes, and that's what was fun about Shazam too was that they kind of got to dress him up a little more campier, and it worked yeah. to the story of it. Yeah. But Did I you mean, see Shazam? I, I haven't yet. Yeah, you, you should see Shazam. It's fun. Okay. Yeah, um, the the newer costumes in, in the movies are a little... It's interesting where they're going, but they have to... They feel it's like, like they're, they're afraid, you know, they don't think tights and costumes are cool, mm-hmm. but... You know, it used to be the physique of the person wearing the costume right. that made the look. Yeah. You know, not the fact that it was molded and Orville Redenbacher could put on a Batman costume <laughs> and look like he had muscles. That's just kind of strange. But we're uh, kind of, and we're also apologists here for the Joel Schumacher movies. We love those stupid. Oh, those stupid <laughs> movies. Um, I I was going to mention real fast uh, one of the interesting things that was in the Q and A at the screening yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, when Helen was, you know, someone brought up the height that she was taken for some of those long shots, yeah. how high she had to go and doing all that aerial ballet stuff. And she said to get her mind off of what was being done, she was singing show tunes to herself, like, <laughs> hello, Dolly, you know, while they were doing the setups and rehearsals. Wow. She would, that was her kind of like go-to thing to put herself in a better mindset yeah. with the dangers of what that's was kind happening. of awesome. I mean, because yeah, that's really high. She was had yeah. to have been like a hundred feet up in the air, seventy yeah. feet, you know, for some of those shots. And I and, feel like I would, yeah. And what a basic wish fulfillment! Like I think for any of the superhero movies, really, like such basic wish fulfillment. You know, the whole dreams you can fly, yeah, thing, yeah, is something that appeals to everyone across the board. You know, I remember as a kid seeing this movie and just being a six-year-old child watching Supergirl and just, 
I know I liked it. And I remember mentioning to my sister that Supergirl flew differently than Superman. She did the Superman flying pose mm-hmm. only when she had to go fast. fast. But right. otherwise, she had her arms out to the side. All right. Where she, Superman had his arms she forward. Was, she was enjoying it. Yes. Yes. It was very she, playful. Mm-hmm. Correct. That was what it was. That she was enjoying it. And she was a little bit more like... Um, her movements were a little bit more fluid yeah. and her hands movements were there, you know, and, and it was very, and even as a kid, I picked that up. I was like, Supergirl flew yeah. totally differently than Superman did. And my sister was like, yeah. Um, and you can, and I really noticed it when you watched it, but yeah, that, that's what it is. She's just like, it's new to her, you know? Right. Um, so yeah, this, the, they really went out of their way to kind of give Kara like her own, Yes, she's Supergirl, and it's kind of just a female version of Superman, but it's not. It's its own. No. It's its own and person. I thought it was interesting. They even had that little moment where she lands in the city at night, mm-hmm. you know, and Matt Frewer. Oh yes, you know, yeah, and that other guy. You yeah, know, Matt Frewer. He was looking pretty good, I have to say. He was I looking was like, good. Oh my god, he was but a these handsome young guy. creeps put the moves oh, on man, her. Yeah, these and, gross truckers. Um, <laughs> it's just very interesting. You know, at this point in time now, to have a scene like that, yes, and, it plays and in she, 2019 really absolutely, well because the the simplicity of her innocence, just simply saying like, "Why are you doing this?" Yeah, yeah, and they're like, "It's just who we are." <laughs> and then, of course, she's able to put them in their place. Yeah, yeah. No, that scene was great. Matt Frewer from Max Hedrum and yep. uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids is one of the one of the gross truckers mm-hmm. that are going to try to molest this woman on the street. And yeah, I mean, movies like this were made a lot. I mean, up until Supergirl, I mean, as far as comic book movies, just the original, the first two Superman movies was all that they had. And this was them trying to build their own cinematic universe. And I guess the world really wasn't ready for Supergirl's standalone movie. People just didn't really know what to do with it. I think especially the studios. They didn't really right. know how to sell it. I, I think that's true, too. We, as underestimating the audience, you know, we'd yeah. already had the Bionic Woman and Wonder Woman on yeah. TV mm-hmm. with two actresses who were able to bring a very believable matter-of-fact sure. quality to that. So um, it, it shouldn't have been too much of a you know, leap to do it. Yeah, it's interesting. And... Yeah, I was going to say, like, maybe it was just America just wasn't ready. Like, we were talking about, you know, saving saving the male characters and all that. But, yeah, you're right. Wonder Woman and Bionic Woman had been on for years at, up to this point. It's really it weird. was just the studios just maybe just not getting – giving enough credit to the audience of embracing it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And just not really putting it out there, too. And I, I wonder what kind of just behind the scenes, you know, I know things like – Donner, you know, being let go for Superman mm-hmm. 2 and then Lester coming in. Mm-hmm. And by that point, I also don't know how the Salkinds and the production company themselves were doing in relationship to the studio. Or, you know, there could be factors like that that weren't just uh, story acceptance. Right. Interesting. Well, I mean, we have we have this movie. It's now on Netflix Definitely recommend. Without people. Supergirl, we wouldn't have Black Widow, Captain Marvel, <laughs> or uh, Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman. Two, she uh, Helen Slater like forged that path. Yeah, and now all of those movies are very successful. Yeah, they are. 
and Definitely. Wonder Woman kind of gave the DC Cinematic Universe a huge facelift, too. Yeah, but I mean, I definitely recommend people watching it on on Netflix. Um, It is two hours long. Yeah, it's a movie from the eighties. <laughs> they made them long back then, <laughs> but it's definitely it's definitely sitting th- worth sitting through. There's a lot of really yeah. good stuff in there with these performances, yeah. and, production uh, design, score, yeah. veteran actors, uh, yeah, and an innocence to it. Yeah, it for mm-hmm. sure, really does. Yeah, and there's and I feel like they really didn't even have to go out of their way. With the flying stuff to make it as unique as it is, because it's totally different than anything you see yeah. in mm-hmm. in four Superman movies. You don't see anything like what you see in this one. Yeah. And they could have just said, "We got it. Donner cracked how to make flying look believable. We know how to do it. Let's do it in this one." But I feel like they really went out of their way to do this to figure out this like balletic. They tried to do something new with it. Circus, yeah you know feel to it yeah and, that um, that really only a female character could do mm-hmm. yeah, i could think pull off yeah yeah you're right so so that you can feel like there is a lot that they put into this movie to make it you know really good and it and it shows on screen and, and it's definitely worth it and to say nothing of like the campier moments and the funny stuff and the really great performances by by everybody involved um, and that's one thing that I feel like in 2019 we can look back and appreciate the camp a little more too. So it makes it kind of stand out. That's why it's right. fun. And and it was and and written on purpose. Yes. Yeah. Like it's not like when something is perceived as camp as an unintentional mm-hmm. side effect of right, it. Right. Right. For sure. Yeah. Oh, they fully knew what they were doing. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you have when you have Faye in your in your in your uh, villain lead. But yeah, I I, def- I definitely recommend go check it out today. Um, this was really fun. It was fun. Thank <laughs> you so much. Did a really cool poster for the screening. Oh, thank yeah, you. Yeah, it's some really beautiful thank work. You. We'll post a we'll post an image in it and tag you in it. Okay. Um. So if you're going to do that, I'll I'll explain that. You know, I I wanted to have all three of Helen Slater's personas represented in the poster uh-huh. because she's able to be this young innocent in Argo City. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's Supergirl, of course, and then she has her student persona of Linda Lee. Um, so they're all represented, and so is the flying ballet as the border around it. Nice. Uh, and then Faye and her Art Deco, <laughs> Klimt, Earth Mother sorceress outfit. Yeah, <laughs> wow. Yeah, that final look at the end, that gown. Oh, it's yeah. amazing. And that the woman who designed that, uh, Emma Porteous, I think is her name, mm-hmm. um, she worked on the TV show, the second season of Space 1999. Oh, wow. So okay. kind of doing wild out there things sure. was in her arsenal by that point. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, we'll definitely post uh, images of the of the poster on our Instagram because it, it's it's pretty beautiful. I was, Thank I you. I was kind of Thank t- you. blown away by it when I saw it yesterday. I was like, well, I've never seen that poster before. <laughs> and well... There you go. Well, yeah, thanks so much for coming on the show. Was, thanks for having was me. was lots of fun. Does anybody have any final thoughts on Supergirl before we wrap it up? <laughs> I want to just mention something that you mentioned to me about you personally. You told me when I first met you, you were an extra in Hairspray. Yes. <laughs> Do you just briefly want to talk about that? I, I, was a, I think that's kind of amazing. You were in John Waters' Hairspray at the end of it. I, I, well, I was all through it. I was a dancer. In hairspray. So how on the Corny Collins show? Did you just like answer an ad? I love it. Were, well, were they just they had a huge 
cattle call. Um, and my mom had been, as a teenager, won a twist contest on the Buddy Dean show, which the corner <gasps> The real Buddy Dean you're, show? Because you're, oh, you're from Baltimore. Yes. That's amazing. Uh, and my grandmother, who used to be a June Taylor dancer, taught dance instruction on an episode of the Buddy Dean show. So it oh was a very gosh. weird full circle. Oh, um, yeah. They had a huge cattle call, and that was basically just to see how we moved. And I didn't hear anything for months and thought nothing had happened. And then I got a call, and I was with uh, a group of people in a dance studio, and the solid gold choreographers, uh, I think his name is Ed Love, and his assistant Kiki, and um, it was Elimination Round Dancing. They put on the old music, uh-huh. and we had to follow their steps and got tapped on the shoulder, and I survived three uh, or five rounds of that, and uh, then wow, was a, was a dancer in a lot of the scenes. So I know how to do the Madison and the... <laughs> Pony and, and the shaker tail feather. I've seen I've seen young pictures of you. You're very cute, and you look like John Cusack now. You really look like John Cusack when you were young. Uh, did yeah, you I, ever get mistaken for him? I I did 80s? once. I did once in a restaurant. Okay, yeah. um, listeners, Brian looks <laughs> kind of like John Cusack's brother. He looks like the fourth Cusack. Oh, <laughs> you know. And so, growing up on the East Coast, not even knowing how I would eventually find my way out here, the West Coast, that was like. Yeah. You know, amazing to not only be in the John Waters movie, um, to to dance all those great dances. Uh, and believe me, there's parts of Baltimore that are time, literal time <laughs> warps. Uh, so, so that was really fun. That's really cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. some of the dances that are in that movie, I had never. I mean, yeah. They're so not if popular. you if you do a podcast on that, there's actually some very interesting. Stories. Ooh, we'll do hairspray eventually. We it. love yeah. hairspray. We love John Waters, um, and we have yet to do a John Waters movie here. I know. We'll have to do. We'll have to do hairspray. I mean, that was a, the, the first mainstream John Waters movie, yeah. right? Yeah, it was his it, family movie. It yeah. was, and and the fact that it had such true history behind oh, it. Yeah. You know, it was such a rare thing. You know, all these different cities would have their own local programming and do things like that. I right. mean, I think the most common thing that people know is things like Bowling for Dollars or uh, <laughs> its academic sort of right. shows. But local dance shows were the thing yeah. going on in different cities. We just did Girls Just Want to Have Fun on the podcast. Oh, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Talking about dance TV. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I just remember American Bandstand and Soul Train. but And growing up in Los Angeles... We had those, so we didn't really right, have anything right. local. But right. I know and, that you know. Ben, in that day, it would have been Hullabaloo, and um, <laughs> which which I think makes an appearance in um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, okay, it does. Yeah, mm-hmm. and there was another really big one. Who I can't. I'm having a brain fart, but um, yeah. So that was interesting. Wow. Well, we'll definitely have you back on for our hairspray episode. Mm-hmm. All right, then. <laughs> thank you so <laughs> thank much you. for coming on. Thanks this for was having amazing. me. Um, thank you so much for listening, everybody. We'd love for you to uh, subscribe and rate our podcast. Uh, when you are on iTunes, why don't you go ahead and... Give us five stars, Give please. Give us five stars. <laughs> and leave us a good rating if you like this show. You can follow us on social media. We are at Movies That Made Us Gay on Instagram and Facebook. You can also find us on Twitter at MTMUGpod. That's at Movies That Made Us Gay Pod. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week. Bye. Bye.